Hello everybody and welcome back one and all to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend Charles. And I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Because you know that us at Friends Talking Fantasy, we're always busy doing deep dives on popular fantasy books. Perhaps we're doing some book recommendations based off of various interests, tastes, and scenarios. Maybe we're even interviewing authors from time to time. It's been known to happen. Something that we also really like to do and rarely give a moment to bring in to the show is discuss film, movies, cinema. Isn't that right, Dylan? That is right, Charles. I believe when we first started Friends Talking Fantasy, and perhaps still in our Twitter bio, I'm not sure, uh, we pitched ourselves as something like uh, like discussing the best in books, like fantasy books, movies, TV shows, and more. And I don't know how much of the things besides books we've really <laughs> hit. We, we've definitely hit the occasional movie, TV show. Yeah, we did episode discussions on House movie. of the Dragon. Um, definitely. We, Other movies we've done? I'm having trouble thinking of any, really. I know, I did The Green I'm Knight, sure but done, you weren't in that one. You did. Um, yeah, it's barely fantasy, too. <laughs> I mean, it's King Arthur, so what do you want? But, um, (laughs) yes, uh, very rare that we do movies. But, you know, when fantasy has just been in the popular zeitgeist a lot this past year or two. I mean, we've had a new Game of Thrones spinoff show, House of the Dragon, Ring of Power, Wheel of Time, The Witcher, all fantastic. Uh, But now we're back on the big screen with a Dungeons and Dragons movie that might actually be good, like, or decent at least, you know, that's like breaking news. And that's a big win for the fantasy community in in, in my eyes. And and that's what we're here to talk about today. We are, of course, um, referring to the 2023 film Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves that's exactly what we're talking about charles and i'm ready to call this movie good without that (laughs) like (laughs) inflection that implies it's a question that you gave earlier charles i i really enjoyed it i thought it was a ton of fun i'm clearly far from alone it got at least for what i was expecting shockingly good reviews Mm -hmm. Uh, not you know once i watched it i understood but when i first saw that there was going to be a dungeons and dragons movie coming out and you know i'm a big fan of dungeons and dragons i've i've played my share not currently in a campaign but i have played my share and uh, i was definitely thinking oh this is going to be crap and it harkened back to they came out with that movie called Warcraft. You remember mm. that one, Charles? I do. And uh, it's, I think 2016. And I had the same reaction. I was like, they're making a World of Warcraft movie. This is going to be crap. And that time I was correct. 
I mean, I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes for that. It's somewhere in the 20s, I believe, or, or maybe low 30, like 31%, uh, perhaps. I'll, I'll look that up in a sec. But uh, that got terrible, terrible reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did not see it. Maybe I would have loved it. Uh, but then, yeah, new Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out. And I did not see it for a while, as you can see that this episode is just coming out yeah. now. But when I started to see it, all the positive reviews and all these people saying how much fun it was, I was like, all right, we got to check this out. And it delivered. I really enjoyed I, I think it found a perfect balance of not taking itself too seriously while uh, still like not going so far into the campiness that it was just like cringy. So it, it walked a beautiful line and even had some, some heartfelt moments and some, some themes to deliver on Charles. So it, sure did. Uh, it, it, it gets uh, two thumbs up from me. anyway. <laughs> there you go. I would agree. And you know, I was thinking of the title for this episode and, and I was thinking of going with, is the new Dungeons and Dragons movie actually good? Question mark as the title, because mm. I, and to your point, Dylan, we don't want to sell it short because we did think it was good. But I think the fact that it was good, like, is newsworthy because um, you know you mentioned the World of Warcraft movie, and what's actually interesting about that movie, it absolutely bombed in the U.S. at like forty-seven million dollars, which is nothing for a blockbuster, but. In China, it made over 439, oh, it made 225 million in China and 439 million worldwide. So it became the highest grossing <laughs> film based on a video game until the Super Mario Bros. movie just absolutely oh, destroyed just it. Demolished it. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> yeah. But it held the record for like, you know, seven years. So pretty impressive. Wow. This movie will not be holding any records, unfortunately, but perhaps it will hold the record of like um, most popular Dungeons and Dragons movie because this is like the fourth <laughs> D&D movie and the last one was in like 2000 and it was just absolute trash um not good tone deaf weird like you know and and I think I remember seeing this trailer in theaters and it was like oh it's Dungeons and Dragons and they were playing like a Led Zeppelin song and showing how kooky it was and I was like this looks so bad like whoever decided to do this <laughs> was just trying to get a cash grab. I will not be seeing this. And I didn't. But then as it like it was released and then you hear a week later like reviews are in and they're positive and it's like, "Hey, people are showing up to this movie. People are having favorable things to say about this movie." So I was like, "Whoa, really?" That took me by surprise, honestly. I was betting on this failing and I just was not even remotely interested in seeing it. Even as being as active in the fantasy community as I can be, I had no interest in seeing it. But once people said it was good, I'm like, Dylan, I think we need to watch this and and talk about it because people are actually vibing on the Dungeons & Dragons movie. And I would agree with you, Dylan. Two thumbs up over here as well. This movie surprised me in a lot of ways. And, you know, fantasy in popular culture, fantasy on film can go in so many different 
directions and i'm thinking back to like what's super popular right now it's like house of the dragon where the tone is so serious and dark and depressing and in your first episode you have a woman brutally like dying from childbirth and it's bloody and horrific and it's also somehow a like a accurate social commentary on a patriarchal society and it's and it's depressing and then you have the dungeons and dragons movie which is like ha 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 he and it pulls it off <laughs> you know we've talked a bunch of times how there's like the this depressing side of fantasy and there's like this whimsical fun side of fantasy and it can be a tough line to walk sometimes and to me i think what this movie like the reason it's getting good reviews and its successor like it's it's its previous iterations did not is it hit that tone just right in terms of humor good nature but still fantasy action and villains and and battle scenes it it towed that line just right i would completely agree with you charles i think that so we're inundated with superhero movies, particularly mm-hmm. Marvel movies right now. Those are the big blockbusters that we've been getting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a fan of these Marvel movies. Uh, maybe not a super fan, but I yeah. watched all the way up through Endgames. I've seen some others. I'll, I'll get into theaters to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 3 oh, at some point. You don't have point. much time left. A few weeks <laughs> before it's pulled really? from theaters, yeah. yeah. Oh, that quick? Didn't it just... came out like two like, weeks ago. Just came out two weeks ago? Oh, it'll hang around. Mm-hmm. So, it, a movie like that? Anyway, point it'll, being... It'll be around, Charles, but... It'll be around. Uh, point being, I, I like those movies, and at the same time, you can get Marvel fatigue. Oh, and yeah. I think I, post-Endgame, I, I really started to, I think some other folks have as well, And I think that this movie kind of hits those similar notes in terms of the tone of it, right? Like, it's kind of campy, it's funny, sort of mostly joke-a-minute type uh, thing, you know, and and we're used to these classic, uh, like, superhero does something, superhero makes a little quip, like, uh, oh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, you you quipping bastard. But I think we, we got a lot of that kind of feel which of course people enjoy that's timeless but we got a totally different milieu a totally different setting we got uh, like all this fancy stuff going on that it's just a completely different genre even if the tone is is similar and something that people of course enjoy from their blockbuster films and i'm just so happy to see it when a movie like this can succeed or even a movie like the super mario movie which i haven't gotten the chance to see either just to get some sort of like blockbuster movies that are doing something other than superhero movies so uh, i really appreciated the yeah the way that they walked that line that you're talking about uh, charles and sometimes we just need some good old-fashioned fun Otherwise, we're just down in the dumps all the time with our our media. And fun, but not like where it's just so silly that you start to lose people and it's not funny. Like, they definitely took some notes on what made, like, a Marvel movie funny. And that that same kind of 
like relatable humor from just a character saying an out-of-pocket comment for the set situation that Ooh. they're in you know and that's funny and that's what these characters do and it works for the most part and that's what surprised me about it i thought for sure this movie would be totally tone deaf um and it wasn't a lot of great a lot of great filmmaking going on here and that's the other thing about it that i wanted to call out the directors it's two people john francis daly and jonathan goldstein i looked them up the only other movie that i've seen of theirs that they've directed dylan did you see the movie um game night yeah, I did see Game Night. They directed That's a long Game time ago. Night. Yeah, Just. they directed Game Night. That was like okay. well, I mean Game Night was funny. But that's the thing. It's like the humor, <laughs> but also like the cleverness of the filmmaking, which I also think adds to this movie's charm. Like Marvel movies, you just watch like massive explosions and faceless CGI people like punching each other you know there's like a whole separate cgi team that makes that ending battle scene separate from the actual movie being made by the real director going on at the same time in those marvel movies in a lot of cases and i you don't feel like that's the case here like this movie is full of creativity and ingenuity and like people that actually gave a crap about what they were making and wanted to inject a little bit of humor a little bit of cleverness the action scenes almost kind of reminded me of um like the movie rush hour where it's like there's humor in the action you know like they have the painting that's got the portal on it and they're like jumping through it and and they're like trying to you know do all these other like funny things and And they're being dragged on the holga is like (laughs) in a like looks like in a really interesting compromising position right she's got like a wheelbarrow simon like simon's legs or yeah so right definitely so it's like that kind of of fun that they're having making the movie adds to the, to its charm and to just the nature of the games. It's kind of like Game Night 2 had those clever moments like inspired by board games and things where they like it looks like a board game and then it zooms in and it's the scene starts and you know that that kind of stuff. They also have writing credits on Spider-Man Homecoming by the way, so which ah. is the first of the marvel spider-mans so like that kind of humor also is so you can see they've 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 dabbled in it um so some really interesting like kind of combinations and the movie was clever with like the on-site location filming that they would do um the practical effects that they were mixing with cgi like the bird character in the beginning and a couple of the other (laughs) characters that are throughout that are more practical and like the the costumes and makeup on all the characters were really good. Like it's so easy to make a fantasy movie on like a low budget and it just looks like not that good. And it's like, that's an unfortunate part of the genre where a a cheap fantasy movie can look really cheap because you're trying to put prosthetics on someone or you're trying to make a CGI character or something just not there. But this movie had it all. I mean, the budget was pretty respectable. Like, 150 million which is small for a marvel movie but pretty it's a decent blockbuster and they did a good job i gotta say um i love the way the characters looked the costumes the the more designed like the dragons were looking good like the creatures were looking good yeah some of the cgi i thought was a bit inconsistent like with like 
there'd be weird moments where like the barbarian chick is fighting the dragon and she swings the axe doesn't even hit the thing and the thing is like ooh like, acting like it got hit i had to stop and rewind i was like she Little totally wwe w- moment like, she there. totally whiffed that thing yeah exactly and like flames will look really cheap sometimes and the set will look really cheap sometimes and then other times it's absolutely gorgeous so i i found the inconsistency of the of the special effects to be interesting but for the most part i thought Slightly it was actually jarring. really good and clever and i don't know about yeah. you dylan but i love the the character design across the board on this i i did too and we'll get into spoilers and bit. i'll talk some about what i enjoyed about the design mm. and and some of the choices and including the cgi choices there but mm. and uh yeah <laughs> i i i thought it was really well done overall and like you said there's so many pitfalls when it comes to making a fantasy movie if you don't really go in on that budget it's like it's almost not worth it to make almost any fantasy movie unless you have it which sucks right like it sucks because you feel like you're like keeping so many people who don't have access to anything like this budget out of the fantasy genre. Yeah, it's hard to have like an indie fantasy movie, possible, you know, you got to tone it way like, down somehow. Yeah. Like, period pieces in general tough. are some of the most expensive things to make. You got to do a whole wardrobe and whole set design and everything just to pull off the yeah. scene. But they made they made good use of that budget and I, I appreciate it. It's it's also a love letter to Dungeons and Dragons without coming off like an advertisement for Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. which is uh, that's that's always my fear when any of these kind of uh, movies based on uh, be it a video game, be it a, you know, be it a board game or what have you uh, that you know a key part of what they're trying to accomplish here is advertising their product, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the movie's looking made by Hasbro. Earlier. If that's not... Right. Be like, that should tell you all you need to know about this movie. Yeah. Where it's like a Hasbro even, production. You're like, okay. Yeah. And even the Super Mario Bros. movie is an advertisement in a way for Nintendo and those games. And even you could think of the marvel movies as being as being advertisements for toys in some ways and star wars the same thing right Uh, so in a way all of these movies have kind of become ads in themselves but it's especially uh, something to be wary of when the movie is literally titled the name of the game right right Uh, right dungeons and dragons is is the title with the subtitle uh afterwards so it's it's something where they, again, walked a line perfectly. They had all the stuff that uh, Dungeons & Dragons players will recognize and love, uh, you know, from the owlbear to the gelatinous cube yeah. and uh, having, like, clear classes and uh, races that each of the characters are. But they never start like moving toward anything like oh like what level is this person it's like oh that's gonna make it inaccessible like oh like uh, there's all sorts of things they could have done to kind of like take you out of it they didn't show like the kid it turned out to all be kids imaginations as they're playing the game and you see them close the book and it's got the logo on it like it's (laughs) it wasn't that obtuse and to your point Dylan, we talked about walking the line um and as much as it was I'm glad that you, from the perspective of someone who's played your fair share of Dungeons & Dragons, 
I haven't really played at all. Like I've played a like once or twice, like enough to recognize. Like the only two things I recognize were the gelatinous cube, cube and the owl bear. But um, what I liked about the movie and what you're talking about is like, yeah, it's not an ad. It's also not like a bear. There's no barrier to entry for just casual moviegoers who want to mm-hmm. see a fantasy movie. They can enjoy the movie just as much, even if there is. A reference a minute to the game like I didn't catch any of that but I still enjoyed the movie and um it it it, ex- it on its it stands on its own as a competent fantasy action comedy blockbuster right it, it and that was a very smart move it didn't have to go that way you know it's like hey we don't have to make a good movie we just have to make a dungeons and dragons reference every minute movie and then the (laughs) dungeons and dragons fans will show up and they'll get all the references and no one else will and they'll think that's cool it's like no we were actually were like let's make a movie that everyone can enjoy the whole family can enjoy i would say and they 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 pulled that off too it's you know in some cases for me like the the humor would got a little be a little bit too much but I think within the realm of like a you know modern movie, it was fine. But for me, I was like, eh. And then of course, it's like two hours and twenty minutes long. It's like, does it need to be two hours and twenty minutes long? This could have been a tight hour thirty, real strong. And it didn't need all that. But you know, yeah, it's a fantasy That's movie. Okay, fair. you got to give it. You got to give it two hours. I, I wouldn't be so. It'd take it to hour forty-five. You know, I love a short movie, but I. It was like I would have been 15 minutes before they even showed like the title. Like they did a whole background that was 15 Okay, but that's also long. like that's kind of part of the love letter to Dungeons and Dragons yes, is having yeah, him read his whole backstory basically because mm-hmm. that's like when you're first starting a game you might you might have like everyone read their backstory on the, at yeah, the table yeah. or, or something of that nature. And actually I thought the whole thing they they framed it well, right? Because yes. uh they made it where he's basically trying to stall for Chancellor Jonathan to get there. So he keeps like trying to go back and tell more stuff that he'd already told and all of that. So there was, it was done in a way where like giving people's backstories and flashbacks can be such a pain. Like it's Mm -hmm. so annoying when that happens in most films, but they did in a way that both felt like very Dungeons and Dragons while also like making sense within the context of the story. So yeah. And uh, the end of that scene them. was great, which for that, yeah, exactly. Cause that, that was, was hilarious. That was funny. <laughs> and again, another, that's when I was like, Oh, great. I think I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I saw that practical effect. It looked like that creature was going to fall over any second. <laughs> I was like, when I walked into the room, I was like, Oh God, that thing is barely standing up on its own. It's going to fall over. So they did a fun, they yeah. did a, they had, they had, and that's what I want to see, honestly. I, I swear, every time I go to the movies, I'm like, can I just see a movie where there's a creative vision and people are having fun? Like, that's, yeah. like, I can't tell you how many times I go to these Marvel movies, no creative vision, no one's having any fun. It's just a action blow up fest where this is a giant explosion at the end and then it's like sets up another movie and you're like, this is, so stale and then other movies will try and replicate that to build their own universes and just fail spectacularly it's like can we just have filmmakers inject some style into their movies and character into their movies and 
and like have fun with the process along the way. Like you could probably tell someone was laughing their asses off designing some of these characters, having a good time, <laughs> yeah. like storyboarding the action scenes and just thinking like, well, what could we, how can we challenge ourselves to come up with something like even more ridiculous? And like, you know, the, whether it's an obese dragon or a portal well, gun yeah, chase or both an obese dragon with a portal gun in the same sequence, like it's fun. And it, it's just something that I can't stress enough how rare it is to see in a big film like this with like sequel potential and like so many different interests from so many different corporations that we're able to get a movie with spirit and character and charisma is super rare. And like speaking of charisma, the one thing I wanted to mention is I think a huge reason why so much of the humor that could be too much for some people but it totally works for this movie like the reason a lot of it works is just the charisma of the whole cast like yeah chris pine totally wins you over no like, pun intended uh, <laughs> regarding the D attribute yeah. of charisma oh yeah although chris pine's character edgen darvis definitely a very Absolutely. high charisma bar so easy and, to uh, cast high charisma that actor. role and have it just be cringe yeah. like Oh, oh my god, yeah. he's like, trying so hard. We they're talked about this with uh, The Witcher. Yeah. yeah, we talked about this with when we were talking about The Witcher. Bard, such a tough role to cast. And they nailed it in The Witcher, and they totally nailed it with Chris Pine. We've gotten lucky with our bards lately in modern fantasy film, you know? It, yeah. It's been good. And like we've seen it fail so many times. And not even like even just a comic relief character that's just too much, you know? It's like, okay. Or like... You know, I'm thinking of, like, you think of, like, Rick and Morty, like, season nine. Like, this is too much. Like, stop. <laughs> stop, okay? And and now you're here, and you're like, okay, this could easily be over the top. You're in a Dungeons & Dragons movie. And that's what happened in the early 2000 movie. It was just, like, the actors were, like, way over the top, and it just failed. But even, like, someone like Hugh Grant, who's, like, playing this <laughs> role he pushes it so far and but never feels like he's overacting like he's overacting but he's still in the character and it never is too far like these characters yeah, well, are so it feels charming. like the character is the overactor rather than hugh grant if that makes sense yeah like yeah. hugh grant is playing a character who happens to be an overactor in themselves which is like it's a hard balance to strike yeah so. i would say to end the spoiler free i'd say it's a very clever movie that managed to pull off what i thought was impossible which was a competent and fun dungeons and dragons movie and the only way they did that was like the charisma of the cast and the and the vision and the passion of the filmmakers that were involved in it and um i think anyone even remotely interested in and just wanting to see, like, it brings me back to, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's like, hey, you want to watch that 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 fun popcorn movie? Okay. Like, I love the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, that's like, like an 8 or 9 out of 10. Like, that's like a, yeah. that's way better so than good. this, let's be real. But um, <laughs> this is still delivers on that kind of experience of, like, hey, look, it's not going to be your favorite movie of all time, but it's going to be a fun movie night. You know, right. it's going to be fun. and whether you're a D&D fan or not and or whether you're an experienced D&D player or not, like you're the D&D experienced guy. I am not. We both enjoyed it. And that alone, I'm just impressed by the movie. It's like, wow, you actually pulled it off 
and people are actually giving you good reviews and the headline is like no one thought this was going to be good but it actually guys this movie's actually good did you realize <laughs> like that's kind of the well, conversation that's happening online <laughs> that's yeah and definitely some of the conversation that we've been having i mean if we were more on the cutting edge of this thing and we saw it right away in theaters i think your idea of this is the Dungeons and Dragons movie actually good? Like, that would be perfect. Mm. The problem is, like, the jury's out. This thing's good. Yeah. And it's very accessible, like you're saying, for so many different people. And we we really enjoyed it, too. Mm. I, uh, <laughs> I'd love to be able to give, like, more edgy takes or something. You might leave <laughs> this thinking that, I don't know, we said something totally... Uh, new and uh, like a headline maker or something not that anyone's writing articles about what we say but that being said Mm -hmm. everyone says it's good we agree yeah (laughs) that's our hot take good movie is good you know we're we're very brave about that um yes (laughs) very brave of you charles Um, stunning and brave (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so i i actually really like what we we did there. We don't always get like a very true half of an episode that's spoiler free that feels worth talking about. I guess it doesn't lend itself as well to that when mm. we're doing a deep dive into the book. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad we got to to do all that. In case anyone listening hasn't seen the movie yet, I I hope that gave them an idea. Yeah. But sure. I'm looking forward to getting into some of the more specifics with yeah. you. Here, Charles, in a spoiler section. So yeah, let's do it. I'll give my patented uh, spoiler warning here. Nice. Where we're gonna get into uh, the plot of Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves now. So if you haven't yet seen this movie, now's a great time to do it. I believe it's on Paramount Plus. That's where mm-hmm. I watched it. Mm-hmm. Me too. And you. Yeah, you have that opportunity now. Come back here later. But for now, turn this down in your headphones if you don't want this movie spoiled for you. Thank you for listening, and goodbye to those that haven't seen it. But to those that have seen it, go don't go. And conquer, That's friends. not a goodbye for you. Uh, please stay. And five stars on Spotify. Yeah, give five stars on Spotify if you're leaving now. If you're staying, also leave five stars, but maybe, you know, also listen to the end. Um you can do it at the same time you can you totally it's you listener right now you're i know you're listening all right just go on to that spotify feed for friends talking fantasy podcast and just right now give us five stars it doesn't it doesn't require you to stop listening you can do it did you you do it done by now by the time dylan started you'd be done if you started when i told you yeah 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 exactly but uh, okay you do it did you do it I mean, we'll wait. Really? I mean, you want to we'll hear hold you our spoiler here. takes? We'll, we're holding on them <laughs> until we get that five stars. <laughs> we, we got all day. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the Dungeons all and right. Dragons movie. You think we got plans? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you did it. because. Yes. And also, if you're not on Spotify, I'm sorry. Wasted your time. Yeah, yeah. Just listening, as we always say, is more than is enough. More so than thank enough. you for being here. And... Um, tolerating that if you haven't left already you can also rest on apple always an option always a great option um let's dive into dungeons and dragons honors among thieves (laughs) 
no uh no uh no reason to hold back no on holds spoilers. barred no holds barred i couldn't tell i couldn't remember if it was holds or holes i was like oh god which one is it <laughs> i stopped i like for sure it's holds yeah <laughs> I, 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 I i have no idea that's why i stopped are we michael scotting this right why now i pivoted um but yeah. anyway time for that five-star content that you guys are all here uh wanting to listen it's to. holds holds thank you um yeah i mean the movie here's my thing about like some of the stuff i didn't particularly care for one was like I'll, some the humor sometimes just went too far for too long i'm like can we cut this back a little bit like the scene with like they're interviewing the dead people i knew it was funny for go. like a minute and then it kept going and going and it never got back around to being funny again. It just continued to be not funny. And he's like, oh, I have to ask you a question. Uh, do you like cats? Uh, what's your favorite food? And then at the end, they freaking call it back. I'm like, did you think this was the funniest thing you ever wrote? Like, it wasn't funny. <laughs> and then the, the callback is that he's still there being like, can someone ask me a question? I was like, that was a waste of time. Um yeah, that was a weird choice to be like the last thing they showed. So I thought it was funny the first time that they, yeah, that he had to ask him a couple more questions, yeah. and then was like, "Wow, oh, what do I ask?" But yeah, I didn't think it was something that was worth. And it's like, funny because oh, now I have to do it again. My brain also had it's the like, thought of like, "What if you don't have four questions to ask? What happens?" So it's yeah. like it's funny that they did that, and then it just kept going and it didn't stop. And sometimes when you yeah. go on for too long, it becomes funny again. That did not happen. It did not happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> generally the humor hit well for me. Yeah. I think that definitely. Uh, I I said the moment that I was like, oh, I think I'm really going to like this movie was mm-hmm. when, you know, the whole time Edgen is waiting for Jonathan to get in. Yeah. And he keeps bringing it up and he keeps stalling. And do you think, like, I thought, oh, they have some sort of connection mm-hmm. to Chancellor Jonathan. So Jonathan's going to get them off. And uh, then finally, <laughs> Jonathan just stumbles in there. A wobbly the bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the fact that they just, like, tackle him out and break him through the window yeah. and then he, they're like that oh the was plan funny. was that he'd have to fly to sustain that himself that was funny and, and then, then they had to call back <laughs> with hugh grant and right. he runs and the wall and it's you know bricked <laughs> over and he's like i'm sorry yeah. and the dragon boy's like i don't know what i was thinking i'm sorry came like, over that me. was funny the end your movie right there like that could yeah. be the callback and that would have been funny as hell not this whatever other thing you showed that wasn't funny but yeah, yeah, that was great. Then there was plenty of moments like that in this movie uh, that I really liked. I liked every single cast member. I wasn't really shipping the relationship between Simon and uh, Doric there. The yeah, I was like, I don't exactly we have a cut lot that of whole chemistry. <laughs> I feel like, like I it get... does feel like a shoehorned romance sort of thing. Yeah. Or... But as they tried to tie it into... They like, didn't linger on it at all. It was super yeah. quick, so it was whatever. And that's me being at my most hater. Um, that and like things like gold rings looked super fake in CGI. Flames would look super fake in CGI. Fight scenes like the 
the sword and the creature did not connect, but they reacted like they did. Like, uh, that's as hater as I'm going to get. For the most part, it was very good. And even, like, the look of the dead guys were like, please ask me a question. Like, they looked great. I, they were, like, really yeah, interesting to also, look at. Yeah, there's also a benefit of the doubt that you get when you have the tone of a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. movie versus mm. if some of those things showed up in House of the Dragon, we would never be able to take it seriously. Yes. But the fact that they showed up in a movie that already isn't taking themselves that seriously, like anything that looks a little bit like uh, kind of funny about things, you're like, okay, like this that's kind of part of the charm. And even then you brought up the the dragon like the fact that they have just just like really <laughs> like chubby dragon show up and i was yeah. uh, as i turned that part i was like i don't think i've ever seen a fat dragon before like <laughs> and like we're, right we're before to that like, they had a very serious sword fight with like necromancers yeah. or something to then completely shift tone to this is funny now you've got a dragon that can't fit through the hole and is chomping <laughs> at them but because it's so chunky it can't get any closer. You know, that's only in a D&D movie can you pull it off. And when I say that the filmmakers are clever. They're so silly looking, that's kind but of they knew like it was what funny. I'm talking yeah. about when I say clever because they know. And also, it's like when you think of a D&D campaign, I haven't played that many. But sometimes, you know, you inject a little silliness or you kind of break the game a little bit with like going off script and coming up with this crazy solution that a typical serious fantasy story would never consider or go to. And I think it captured those elements really well. So when it does get a little crazy and meanders maybe a little too long on a certain thing, it's like, it's kind of like how a campaign could go. And I think any fan of the games would be on board for all of that. And even a casual moviegoer is getting the sense of this like, like, okay, this is anything could happen. It's like you could have the best laid plan and all of a sudden the portrait falls over and now you can't portal through <laughs> it. And like, you know, like those kinds of things. Well, are it's happening. like a roll that went sideways. Or it's like, oh, I only have know? a spell where I could do my turn my finger into a lighter. Like, oh, we could like make it all the gas in the room explode if, with right. that, with our little spell. You know, it's like they captured those elements super well. I don't even know how you would try and write those in without making it feel forced but they do it really well and i think it's just the charm and charisma of the movie with also just like the knowing how to do the setup and payoff in a way that's like truly believable yeah i think that there were probably moments where they you know they were I imagine they have experience with Dungeons and Dragons themselves. It's hard sure. to it's hard to I think to one of the guys was in Freaks as... and Geeks and was in an episode where they played D&D. One of the directors. Oh, interesting. I think that was I've a trivia Freak, thing that uh, I read. I've seen that show. Yeah, so. he was one of the That's... kids in it. Huh. And um huh. like one of the last episodes was a D- they played D&D. Yeah, he was, I remember he was that in it. Episode. Yeah. So one of those guys in that episode is the direct is one of the directors of this movie. Oh, that's so there funny. is that kind of passion in it. I think you had to have a good knowledge of the game to make this movie. You know, like, you could tell that that was like they just captured too much of the vibe too well for it to be just some 
a corporate lackey director filming this just action yeah chase i mean they knew they knew enough to we mentioned the owl bear and the gelatinous cube is like they knew enough where it's like if we're making a dungeons and dragons movie we need an owl bear you can't not have an owl bear it's such an iconic even beyond that i imagine like any director make a star wars movie it's like oh i'll put like I'll put Wookiees and Ewoks and I'll have a I'll have the Millennium Falcon <laughs> and lightsabers. But it's like to capture the essence of it too, which is what this movie does with D and D, where it's like, yeah, we could put owl bears and cubes and 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 we could put all this other kooky stuff that everyone knows about D and D. But also we can like capture the spirit of a campaign that goes a little out of control. And maybe we abuse a mechanic to pull off something that probably the dungeon master wasn't anticipating, right? Like that kind of stuff comes across in this movie too. It's that next level. Definitely. And the idea that they can go, this happens all the time in campaigns. Like you go on this whole side quest to uh, like receive this artifact and it may or may not play a large role in the eventual Mm -hmm. uh, like, the eventual conclusion of whatever you're trying to do. Right. And then even the idea that this happens all the time too in campaigns is like Zank, the paladin yeah. who was hilarious. I thought actually um, like he joins the crew and he's super like, powerful, but then, well, he's not going to join you for the rest of like, it's an NPC mm-hmm. that's become a party member temporarily, which uh, the dungeon, which dungeon masters do all the time. They're like, can't have this person there for the main quest because it'll make it too easy. So then he's just got his own things going on. And then he just right. walks away. <laughs> he walks away completely straight. Like <laughs> he goes over the rock and even just the idea too, that, a paladin would be someone with no sense of irony or humor mm. and just a complete stick up their ass is yeah. a very mm. uh, Dungeons and Dragons thing as well. Mm. So uh, those moments, you know, okay, these directors actually appreciate the game. I, I did love that moment too. It's like where it's like, uh, uh, you've got Edgin being like, you're better than us at, at basically everything fighting, strategy i mean everything except talking and he's like a pause and he's like eh, you're not enjoyable to talk to <laughs> like, <or something laughs> <Yeah>. like, <that. laughs> like <laughs> i liked also where they're like uh, if you're getting lost you can hold my hand it's like i'm not holding that guy's <laughs> hand but then there's this scene where he saves him from falling off a cliff right and pulls him up it's like stuff like that i find very funny i'm like aha like, like i was like somehow he's, when, they're gonna end up holding hands i just didn't yeah. know how and then you i was know. like aha there we go that's how he did it like it's a little more subtle yeah or even uh, like he's riding the horse next to him he's uh, giving him this whole speech about ah like you'll find your way back to the harpers and again it's like can someone else like ride their horse next to this guy <laughs> like <laughs> what did you, also oh, yeah i'm just thinking like D ish moments is uh, there's the part where edgen delivers his whole like i'm sorry speech to the sorceress <laughs> like uh, where i could see that where the like the dm has already made their like a uh, you know the bad guy is in the shape of 
his daughter and that's like some other plan Mm -hmm. uh, for the dm to have play out and then the character gives their big speech their big character moments like oh crap like that was (laughs) (laughs) that was delivered to the wrong person and the dm has to stick with it and he doesn't even really get that moment (laughs) later so i was like i appreciate the randomness of that (laughs) i liked i liked the um the what are they the shapeshifter character sophia lillis's character she was from it oh the druid yeah Yeah. the druid thank you doric she was pretty good too you know i she kind of won me over i just saw her as the kid from it and it's like she plays a much more like mature action role in this and and it paid off for me too i I liked it and uh, even though i wasn't a fan of the relationship i thought she was good the simon character was good too um (laughs) He was funny. He was just like a not that great magician who could only do like certain tricks. But then when you're in the campaign, it's like, okay, this is the these are the tricks that you have. Wow, well, you're gonna survive, you know? And yeah, he's progressively getting better. And it's it, it created for some funny actions action scenes where he's like trying to escape from the town. He like tried to got a little greedy. Tried to rob him. He got caught. <laughs> so now he's running from the village. He's trying to do these spells. It's pure chaos. It, 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 it's not unlike a campaign I could see happening where it's like, oh, we're no. here. Let's rob these guys. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the fact that his magic like will do things that he wouldn't be capable of otherwise in these like crazy moments. Uh, that's a thing in D&D for sorcerers is wild magic. And he even mentions like, oh, no, that was wild magic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. It's another moment where it's like, oh, they'll, they'll just throw that in. But it's, a, it's an aside and a moment that doesn't really go over your head in a way that is harmful to your viewing experience. You just hear like, oh, that's that's wild magic. All right. Yeah. Fine. Sound looked pretty wild to me, mm-hmm. uh, or you're a uh, person acquainted with D and D, and you're like, ah, he's like uh, using the wild magic, and like that. You basically roll, and like random crap will happen, <laughs> just like based on whatever you rolled. It was really yeah, interesting. Derek was going to do that one. Uh, Derek, your co-host from your Vandy project, mm-hmm. uh, Roger, Roger, a Star Wars podcast. Mm-hmm. When, one of the times when we tried to get a D&D game going, which has happened many times and then we never <laughs> do. Derek always wants to play the the wild magic sorcerer. Oh. That would have been fun. It definitely yeah, it fit Derek's the, character. The Simon type. Well. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Olga the Barbarian, I also liked quite a bit. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, which... I, she looked familiar, but apparently she's in all the Fast and Furious movies, which I haven't seen mm. since Fast and Furious 3, so I'm a little bit behind. But um, she was good. Like, she yeah. jacked, by the way. And then, like... Oh, um, yeah. She, <laughs> I mean, she looked great. I can only imagine what her workout regimen was like leading right. up to this. Right. Well, I, I read one of the trivia things about how much, like, extra muscle mash that she put on and was, like, trying to lose for another role and something like that. But, yeah, she, she got Jack's respect, mad respect for that. But um, she was good. You know, sometimes when you have this, like, deadpan barbarian type, like, it can it can be overdone. Like, I even think of Guardians of the Galaxy. What's that character's name? Played by Batista. Batista's like, character. That character can be hit or miss for me. Um and this character kind of fills a similar role, but I thought she was really good, you know, really consistent. Um, yeah, she well, ass. 
Batista's character, I'm also blanking on, like, the... Actually, Zank the Paladin reminded me more of Batista's character in the way of, like, having no, like, sense of irony. So it would take everything very, mm. like... Uh, obviously, but totally different like characters and personalities. No, funny, totally. like... No. Oh, no, but... but I see what the, you're saying. Everything was literal mm-hmm. with um, with both of those characters. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the, definitely the, the brute yeah, in terms of the Olga Edgin relationship I really liked was like platonic camaraderie, adventure bros, like hanging out, um, found family kind of thing. I, I thought they were really good yeah. together. Um, but Edgin's lips are too. Are they too small for his face oh, or too big for his I face? I can't remember. Too small, I think. Uh, too small. Was what she said, probably. why she wasn't interested in him. Mm. But I'll also but say also, that she's, relationship. She's into Bradley Cooper, so that's a tough guy. To... Oh, yeah. Well, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get back to the relationship and how it ties into the themes, but I want to say on the Bradley Cooper. That thing, was wild. That I was, was laughing my ass off when I saw Bradley Cooper. I, I was like, and he was just sitting there smiling, not saying anything, and the camera's like looking down on him, and he's like super tiny. He's oh, like, it's mm. so funny. <laughs> and you're just laughing. He's the biggest star in this yeah. whole movie. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> the biggest name shot. in this yeah. whole movie by, uh, like, and I mean, you gotta put respect I looked on up the Hugh cast Grant's beforehand. Name, but yeah, he's oh, true, way true. more famous now. Like, yeah, Bradley right Cooper's A lister. But yeah, Hugh Grant's got a lot. Chris of, Pine's uh, been in a lot of leading roles before, Star Trek and all that. Yeah, but Bradley Cooper is. Oh, is by far still level. the biggest star in this movie, at least in terms of like their presence right now. And yeah, so I looked up the cast. Like I didn't do a whole like search of it, but I looked up the cast before uh, watching the movie. I was like, who do I know? And uh, I didn't see Bradley Cooper because he's so low build. <laughs> and then when he showed up, like in that cameo, I was like, uh, wait. Is that Bradley Cooper? And I was like, I, <laughs> I, I kept doubting I myself because I was like, like yeah, that guy I was looks like, exactly like I Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, I was like, I would have known if Bradley Cooper was in this movie. I'm like, but that's gotta be him. His hair is kind of like, and just the way his and they film him from pretty are, far away. They don't zoom in for yeah. a while, and like. You're so distracted by how small it is. Like, he's been kind of CGI to Uncanny Valley kind of vibes. Right. Of, like, is that Bradley Cooper or not? He's been so processed. Interesting. Like I did read. They filmed that way later, like, in post-production. He walked in oh, on they set. Did. Like, Olga's stuff was already filmed. And they're like, Bradley Cooper's on set. <laughs> and they just, like, filmed it and then put it in the scene. You know, it's just kind of funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, how could you not? So like, the, one of the top A-listers in the world is agreed to do a cameo. It's, even if you're 90% done with the movie, like, who cares? Put him in. Make it work. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. <laughs> so, wait. Did they have did, did they have someone else in that role already? Or, like, I honestly did they make the whole storyline? Maybe he was... Maybe he had agreed to do it from the beginning. It's just the timing didn't work, so they like prepared. Um, because mm-hmm. he's in another scene later too. He's he comes back at the end, so it wasn't totally like. There's some times where you could tell that oh, this person just happened to be on set and they filmed it. 
I don't get yeah. that vibe from this. They did say it was filmed way later, but probably because Bradley Cooper was like, yeah, I'm busy being an A-list Hollywood star. But um, if you could find some time for I'm me sure during post-production, then I could do something. <laughs> and then they were like, whatever you say, as long as you agree to be in it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm no, sure that that's was, what happened. <laughs> yeah, that was a great way to use him. And Yeah, so funny. Yeah, he so barely did anything, to, and I was laughing. He's just like I got that oh, kind yeah. of charisma. <laughs> Him sitting in the chair, like like a little kid looking up. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mild mannered yeah. too, and yes. it's like because you're used to Bradley Cooper playing these more charismatic, boisterous characters, and then he's just, just the like, doting oh, husband. Yeah. I've been <laughs> yeah. like these giant women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got a type. He's a got a type. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, this has like a yeah, normal pr- home life, you know. <laughs> yeah, the proportions were so funny. Like he's, I don't know, he's not like stout like we think of with hobbits. Obviously, he's a halfling, but I think we usually think of them as like stout. Yeah, and he's just like normal Bradley Cooper proportions, <laughs> but just like shrunk. It's like, it looks so odd, especially <laughs> with. Like uh, how jacked Michelle Rodriguez got and Olga's character is sure. like uh, very well done. So like while we're wrapping up here, th- I want to talk about the ending a little bit because I have a lot to say about it. And I want to make sure we get there. Sure. What do you think of the ending with Olga and bringing Olga back? Okay. I have thoughts. So I, I, I you, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I too uh, have thoughts. So, well, Okay. I'm interested to hear yours, but I liked it. And Mm. I liked it because it is, uh, they made it very clear that there's no romantic relationship between Edgin and Holga. Mm. And the idea of how, like, Chris Pine's character, Edgin, was being selfish, even says at one point to his daughter, like, I wasn't trying to bring back your mother. I was trying to bring back my wife. So then the decision in the end like of course it's like contrived sounds more negative than i want to be but it's a very like on the nose thing that they like specifically made holgo the one that uh, is dying of the same thing as his wife and blah blah but it instead of trying to bring back uh his wife but not her mother uh he then brings back her mother but not his wife because mm. mm. she's basically like the surrogate mother. Mm. So it's like, I don't know. They didn't try to hit you over the head with it right. too bad. Like they didn't, he didn't say like, I re- like, he didn't say what I just said. He was like, I originally was going to bring back. Uh, <laughs> they my to- wife, they probably were like, Oh, we should but- have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but they made it pretty clear. Cause there's like mm-hmm. the f- sort of flashbacks of like the ways in which she was, uh, her mother um, in every way but biological and we know that she never like really got to be she never got to know her actual biological mother uh, because she was a baby so yeah I, I liked it because I think like uh, that is 
Edgin coming to learn uh, things and the theme being driven home. And it was it was just on the nose enough where a bozo like me can be like, oh, like uh, do my little flip the words around thing mm-hmm. and uh, understand what they were trying to get at. And they did the little like, you got to let it go thing, which has been done a million times, the bug. Mm-hmm. But at least again, he didn't look at the bug and be like, oh, I have to let her go. Yeah. <laughs> like they just had the bug from earlier so is it a little on the nose was a little contrived sure but i liked it and appreciated at least they didn't go too on the nose that's a very good explanation um you kind of won me over a little bit i still like i liked ultimately the direction of the story the scene just felt so wild to me i was like why wouldn't you want to bring your mom back from the dead i don't understand that part like yes this woman is actively dying in your arms right now and they're here and you can revive them but it's like i the decision for these characters to be like you know what it's okay i don't need to like bring my mom back let's bring olga back seemed a little rushed to me a little contrived but i get what you're saying and you're right and i'm being a bit of a hater and when i watched it i was like i get why they're doing it but i also feel like they would have addressed it a little bit more talked about it a little bit more something it's like so you don't want to bring your mom back you're just never going to see her like you thought you were going to see your mom and now you're not like doesn't make you feel a certain kind of way like i don't know that was interesting to me but to your point well i think it was for that character everything was like for the daughter, everything was moving, like, pretty fast. She just found out that that, like, talisman even does that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I think she would prefer. Yeah. Like, imagine if you didn't ever meet your biological mom and you had a great adopted mother. Yeah. Uh, totally. And you were in a similar totally. scenario. Of Like, any day of the week, you're bringing back your adopted mother. Sure. And I think, yeah, it's about Edgin learning that lesson and sure like maybe edgin would prefer to have brought back his wife but this is him like finally putting his daughter's needs above his own Mm -hmm. in a way that he like hadn't been able to before so i I could could they built toward it a little bit better yes uh am i somewhat partial to it because when i was watching the movie i i said to my partner like ah like i said the little wife mother thing i came up with and i felt like i was clever for a little bit and then i was like i like this now it made me feel smart (laughs) sure (laughs) right that's all playing a role i do think it was a smart great way to do it because it's complicated like you said chris prime uh Edgin and Olga are not romantically involved, and but they did raise this ch- child t- together for a, a large part of their life, and they are bonded in that way. And there is that kind of like romantic bond in that way, not like I love you, or, we're going to be husband and wife, whatever, but that way of like, hey, we've been through a lot together, we understand each other on an intimate level, we've raised this kid together, like. There's those connections there. And the idea of it being a selfless act, too, is a very strong one. So more clever than I was expecting from a movie like this. But again, I feel like the whole ending, even right up before that, with like the Hugh Grant and Kira are on one side and Edgin and Olga are on the other, 
and then the way Kira was able to like switch sides, and then now we're bringing Olga back. Uh, it happened so fast. I was like, "What's going on?" I was fast. like, "All of a sudden, Kira's willing to ship Hugh Grant down the river in one piece of dialogue." It's like, "Well, that's it." Even <laughs> though like she's been Team Hugh Grant this whole time, and all of a sudden, that's this fair. two seconds of dialogue, he did pull be a knife on her. Eventually, I think that would change. But she was that. already ready to switch sides at that point. She was already like walking over, like, "Really? How could you? I thought, I thought you were <laughs> the one that raised me for two years and <laughs> my two most formative years of being alive. <laughs> and I, I've hated my dad up until now. I was all but convinced he was super selfish. So, I thought. I mean, I don't think any of the direction it was going in was bad. I just feel like for a movie that was two hours long, we had to rush like the, the oh, well over um, two hours emotional connection character moment. The one character moment we get at the end, we had to rush that in our two hour and 20 minute movie. We spent more time developing the dead soldiers than we did developing Kira. <laughs> and that kind of annoyed me a little bit but not that it was bad i still liked it and honestly did i want more time not really like just i'm <laughs> glad they showed it and they didn't explain it anymore they would have just explained it more and then i would have been complaining about how they over explained it so i'm fine with it <laughs> <laughs> i really am i just i just felt kind of like this was kind of odd but i do like when they revive olga and she's like oh no you didn't waste that on me did you <laughs> like that was kind of <laughs> funny <laughs> yeah nah, it's <laughs> I, I see all your points. I think that it's almost just the moment itself was like, oh, wait, what happened? Like, yeah. oh, now she's going to die? Like, what is, what's going on here? And Kira, her character is pretty much just a, like, one-dimensional, like, Edgin's daughter. Like, mm-hmm. That's her personality, mm-hmm. which, Real NPC. of course, left her <laughs> feeling. Yeah, she definitely feels... Exactly like an NPC uh, who the dungeon master was just trying to use as motivation for the Edgin character's storyline. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of the love letter to D&D if we're being very charitable to the movie. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, overall, I, I appreciate the effort toward actually having themes and morals yeah it was kind of challenging in there too yeah it was a very like progressive family dynamic kind of thing they were going for that wasn't preachy or anything like that and it was a really good balance overall yeah you know just overall a very smart clever movie i can't say that enough and it's like always appreciate when that happens i've seen so many crappy movies in the past year that it's like okay wow someone actually tried and you got a cast full of actors that tried and like cgi artists that tried and you know like (laughs) somehow along the way everyone decided they were going to care about making a dungeons and dragons movie good but and it actually was good it was an uphill battle like you won over public opinion everyone was against you (laughs) like no one had any (laughs) hope that this was going to be good right everyone was totally ready like me and and you two jobs to dismiss this movie and uh, i don't know somehow they've they've won everyone over they've won me over you know i'm seeing it if they make a sequel that's the thing i don't know i feel like they got super lucky that this movie like lucky in the sense that yes they all worked very hard and they were very talented so it was good but i feel like not to be 
too on the nose here. A real roll of the dice. And this movie barely, uh. barely, you know, made back its budget, which you know it means it lost money in marketing and stuff. But I just don't think it could do that again. I don't see how it could outperform, how a sequel with the same team could outperform this movie. Like, typically sequels don't outperform. They systematically do a little bit less than the last one. So it's like, you're already starting on... Is that true? I mean, it's not like, the hard and fast. I can't imagine rule, that's the case with these Marvel movies, but maybe those Marvels are the aren't like it's not like. But if you look at Iron Man versus Iron Man Two versus Iron Man Three, it, or like you know, a but typical I bet you Captain America Two made more than Captain America One, and like so on. Probably it, same it, with like the Guardians hard, of the Galaxy. Like the general rule for re- like more traditional sequels is, you know, it, it's not a guarantee and it's usually it does it it doesn't do as good but usually the first one does really well so they make a sequel so it's not really the case in modern cinema nowadays who knows like no one's going to the theater anymore and the like economy of movies has changed so much so if it's like popular on streaming and you can make it for an affordable price and you can also sell dungeons and dragons merch and gaming stuff at the same time it's like you could justify it you know, I think people who watch this movie, like, I'd see the second one with this crew, you know, let them, like, explore their characters a lot more and, like, have them go on more adventures, like, take the pressure off a little bit and and just see where as they of, go. Yeah, as of May 10th, I'm looking it up now, this this has it over $200 million. Yeah, the general so, rule of thumb is you doubled the budget for marketing, and that's how much you have to break even, which puts them at okay, like three hundred mil. Okay, so then you're mil. looking at three hundred yeah. mil, which yeah, it's it's not eventually. I mean, that was May tenth. I mean, eventually the movie's already have... pretty much out of theaters, so it's kind of ran its course. But yeah, it's not bad. Like, especially in twenty post pandemic, that's not bad. Um. It's yeah. not one billion Super Mario Bros or one billion um, Top Gun Maverick, but it's respectable. It's respectable. Yeah, and if if you sell some Dungeons and Dragons stuff out of it, and yeah, I, I just, wonder. I just, I, wonder. I that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. It's like sequel potential for this, and as much as I would watch it. I would not put my money on the line to make a second one. That's for sure. Well, you've definitely sold me from a like financial perspective on the idea that, okay, so this movie might not have even broken even. And it did about, it did like 10 times better than I could have ever <laughs> like thought. Like this is like the, Pack it in up my and eyes, call it a job this well is done. like the, yeah, this is like the ideal scenario that could have played <laughs> out. Right. Um, I guess besides if it did whatever the Warcraft movie did and somehow like picked up huge steam in China, but yeah, but uh, Warcraft movie still lost money and was a huge failure. I, I, and people really? at least like this movie. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, made like four hundred something yeah. million, but apparently it like you know these movie studios they all say that they're all their movies lose money as a way to get out of paying for stuff, but. Um, I've seen the producers. <laughs> exactly. Well, also sometimes actors get paid on the profits of the movie, which you always go gross, not net. That's 
classic mistake. But um, right, if I'm ever and also movie. accounting, it's like oh, our movie when you take in all of our marketing and all these people, like it lost five hundred million dollars. We'll have to write that off on our taxes. So there's all right. movie accounting is funky stuff, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I think in terms of the characters and the world and the story and the reception, there is room for more. I just don't see it happening as big as this movie was. You know, I don't think I don't see a big film release like next year. I don't know. I think you're I just can't fate. imagine that they thought this was gonna go better than it went. And uh, they still maybe they got lost lucky, money? man. It's like, look, you made a yeah, but seven saying, out of ten they... movie that barely broke even. Like, call it a day, you know? Like, you did it. <laughs> I give it more than seven, but well, on IMDb, it has a seven point four out of ten. So I'm like, you made a seven out of ten, seven and a half. Okay, you made seven a seven and a half, and and a half out of ten. Like, good, you know, not best movie of all time, not cultural phenomena, but good. You made some money, maybe not, you know the traditional double the budget to break even money, but you made something in a post pandemic world. And now it's on streaming. And like, I'm sure a lot of people are seeing it on Paramount plus and movie finances are getting weird nowadays with all the streaming stuff. So who knows? It could, it could find enough of a life to warrant a sequel. I just think you'd have to have a pretty chair. Hasbro would have to really want to make it. Um, Yeah. Financially, I guess I, I'm just like I'm saying, this was like the best scenario and you didn't even necessarily make money. So what could possibly happen? I don't know. So yeah, Um, maybe they need to call it a day, but I hope they don't because I don't care if movie studios lose money. I just like being entertained. (laughs) Amen to that, brother. Like I thought this cast was really charming and charismatic and I'd see them again. Hugh Grant surprisingly won me over. I didn't really have much of an opinion of that guy. And I was like, he seems like an odd fit. Like, he just looks like a posh movie star compared to everyone else in the cast. I'm like, yeah. it seems like... Although Chris Pine... Yeah, Chris Pine, as well too. As a kind of But he's got more of that generic him, movie star look. A, and he does. Hugh he Grant does. is... Like, like, if you had an AI generator make a movie star, it would make, like, Chris Pine. But Hugh Grant is <laughs> like... Chris Pine... Like, Hugh Grant is like... <laughs> Hugh Grant is more like I feel like actor. we're in the Bizarro universe where Hugh Grant was cast in this movie, and we're not in like the normal <laughs> universe where it was someone else. You know, in the uh, uh, in the 2000s movie, it was Jeremy Irons that was the villain, and he was way over the top. But you know, he's Jeremy Irons; he's fun to watch. So I think they were kind of trying to capture that, like, kind of vibe of like we cat we bring in this super famous guy who maybe is kind of larger than the role and have him overact but like also let's make that the character and like make it work you know so i think there's a little bit of that probably going on it's like who's our 2000s jeremy irons today (laughs) and it is kind of a good fit for that if you are crazy enough to like consider movies like that and casting like that like i am but um it was definitely a um what do they call it a Tonal retort to <laughs> Jeremy. Wow. You're, bringing, you're bringing tonal retort into this. That's one. how you know we're That's, out of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a desperation move yeah. right there. A, a casting so. tonal retort. You know, when I shared that opinion, then I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel of my thoughts and opinions yeah. of this movie. We've said it all, right? Is there anything left on the table still? 
I think we've said what needs to be said on Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Does this make you want to play D&D is, now? Oh, it totally made me want to play mm. D&D. And you know, I'm okay if I don't play do D&D. Anything for, no. I mean, I would be open to it. It made me want to play. But it didn't make me like must play D&D. But, I mean, I'm not like, ah, I need to start a campaign right now. But it, right. it more made me nostalgic for right, play right, D&D. Right. And I was like, oh, it'd be nice to be in a campaign. But I wasn't like, I'm right, going right, to get right. the gang together and we're mm-hmm, going to, mm-hmm. like, oh, it'd be it'd be fun. But it's, it's hard. It's hard to get a Dungeons & Dragons group going. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it sure is. But anyway. We said movie it all. felt like they captured lightning in a bottle. Here, I wanted to say that before mm. before the episode mm-hmm. ended. Oh, I, 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 I feel like they definitely rolled close to... They rolled like a 17 or something, like a 15. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, definitely we passed. Somewhere we, from, we're, we're, that's yeah. a 7.4. Not quite a nat 20, yeah. but 17. No, a nat 20 fair. would have been like, like a was... billion-dollar franchise starter. This is like, okay, you rolled... Maybe a 17 is too generous. You rolled like a 14. Like a th- no, dude. Seventeen feels. Free. It's like okay. I'm saying you're making this movie, yeah. and it's, it's like okay. So you've decided 10, to make, and then it barely breaks even. No, that but can't no, be. But you, that you, this good. is you are you are telling on yourself that you don't play Dungeons and Dragons because <laughs> I've already it's, told the world that yeah. I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I, anyway, it's like when you're setting out to do a task, a very difficult task is going to require a very high role to have mm. any success so the idea is to you're the telling the dungeon master yes so the task of making the a successful D movie is really high so you, you have need to roll like high. a mm. 17 minimum for it to be a success <laughs> if you roll like that's a 14 fair. it's like that's not high enough to succeed at making a dungeon so and what do you think movie. of uh, hasbro rolled when they made this movie out of 17 i felt okay felt okay fair that's a pretty from good roll. To I wouldn't want to Probably have to roll again. That's for sure. Oh no, that's that's kind of the point that you were making earlier. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, once you roll a seventeen, you're like, uh, like if I make a sequel, like what are the chances I roll high enough again? Like. <laughs> Sequel, I probably that could be our shout line like review a... for this. Hasbro rolled a 17 with the Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> Honor Among Thieves movie. <laughs> I think they'd want you to say in that 20. Yeah, they like, would. We're not into but the, we're not corporate trailer. sellouts to Hasbro. Um, right. Unless they sponsor us. And then I'll say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not corporate sellouts to Hasbro. That's only because unless no they want to buy us, us money out. yet. Yeah. Like, we it's, would sell that's out. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for lack of trying. <laughs> no one wants to give us any money. We're not, you know. I mean, Hasbro seems yeah. to be willing to risk money. So, it, like, they like the long For odds. just a fraction. Yeah. For just a fraction of Small what they pittance compared paid to Chris Pine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say whatever you want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, guys, we've done it all. I think all that's left, Dylan, is for us to play the sweet, sweet outro music. What do you say? I say get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. All right, here we go. 
Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to support the show, if you want to share your thoughts with us, do that over on the socials. Give us a follow over there. It helps grow the show a lot. And that's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end for Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even more than following us over on social media what can they do toss five stars to our podcast like we mentioned earlier you could do that on spotify where most of you are listening just two clicks over at the top of the friends talking fantasy podcast feed on there you can also toss five stars to our podcast on apple you can rate and or review over there and whenever you say something in one of those reviews you say nice things it puts a smile on my face and presumably charles's face too but just listening is more than enough thank you so much for doing that that's well said dylan just listening already more than enough thank you all so so much for giving us a chance and listening all the way to the end you guys are the best and as always go forth and conquer friends i feel like we should do a can someone ask me another question please yeah, now, that that we're in the, now that we're in the after credits here <laughs> That would be funny. That would be. Yeah.